So, you guys know that every time we start, right, um, when we come before the Lord, we need to reset, right? And I always, I always talk about this, and you're probably sick about it, <laughs> but I always begin with the non-negotiables, right? So, every preaching that you should hear should always have all these elements, right? I mean, there's, there's no preaching um, of God's Word that doesn't have all of these, so let's kind of go through this. Um, so the first one is God is sovereign. He's holy. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And he's everywhere. Uh, the second is man is fallen. Uh, we are rooted in sin. We are in the flesh. And we are spiritually dead. Okay? So those are bad news. The good news is man is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. And we exist for the glory of God alone, right? And then finally, believers, Christians, followers, submit to the authority of Scripture alone, right? We don't submit to any other authority but Scripture. So before we begin, let's, let's start with a prayer. So Heavenly Father, thank you um, for your time today. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for allowing us to worship you, even during this pandemic. Lord, may you humble your servant. May you give me the words to say. May you restrain what I'm not supposed to say. And may you send the Holy Spirit to illumine the word so that we can see what you want us to learn and we can apply what we just learned. Heavenly Father, Give us what we don't have. Teach us what we do not know. And make us what we are not. In Christ's name. Amen. All right. So let's move on. So we're going to tackle Ephesians 3. Uh, Pastor Adam and Pastor uh, Ken and uh, Brett and Chris has already talked about Ephesians 1 and 2. So we're going to start with 3. So I'm going to read Ephesians 3, and you can read along with me, okay? And then we're going to dissect this. So Ephesians 3, 1 to 7. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through working of his power. Verse 8. Although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which 
for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. So if you're like me, I would have just read that thing and moved on to the next, right? So we tend to read um, verses in the Bible, the chapters, very quickly. And then we move on to the next. So um, what we need to do for this one, just because uh, it's, it's Sunday, right? So we're going to slow down a little bit. We're going to break this down in sections, and we're going to go through this, okay? So uh, the first thing, let's, let's kind of put some background, right? Um, uh, I didn't know where Ephesus was. Uh, Michelle and I were supposed to be there, but it got canceled. But Ephesus is actually in Turkey. So if you look at the map that I have in front of you, yeah, right there. That's Ephesus, right? So it's part of Turkey. And I believe Pastor Adam was missionary in Cyprus down here. And you can see its proximity to Damascus. That's where Paul was when he was um, chasing the Christians. And then you see Greece. And then you see Rome. Okay? So in Ephesus, is, it was believed that Paul was writing the letter to the Corinthians. Right, so the first, second Corinthians, I don't know which one, but I know he was writing the letter to the Corinthians in Ephesus. And the cool thing about Ephesus is actually um, pastored by a bunch of strong and um, God-fearing men, right? So Aquila was actually in Ephesus. Um, Paul, obviously, he was there for three years. We also have Timothy. And then even the Apostle John was actually in Ephesus also. I think it's about 60 miles from Patmos where he was. So um, you can see that the Ephesian church was very blessed with gifted teachers. Okay, And the Ephesian church was also mentioned actually in Revelation. I know some of you guys are, running, are reading the book of Revelation. And we can see in Revelation, so I'm going to read it in Revelation 2. Jesus is speaking, uh, the Lord is speaking, and he says, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Wow, right? So that's, that's the Ephesian church, right? Hardworking, persevering church, solid doctrine and then on verse 4 it kind of went a little bit downhill because Jesus said yet I hold this against you you have forsaken the love you had at first okay so so they left their first love so we're going to talk more about that on the next couple of slides but I just want you to know where Ephesians is and what's the deal with that church and well, I mean, just so that we have more context um, on what we're going to go through next. Okay? So, um, who wrote Ephesians? Well, it's Paul, right? He, in the beginning, I, Paul, 
He, he always introduced himself. So, um, so let's look at Paul's resume. And I mean, I, I do have a confession. And my confession is, as a new Christian at the time, I never wanted to read anything other but the Gospels, right? I mean, because that's where Jesus is, right? That's where Jesus is talking. So I just really wanted to learn about Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, right? And nothing else. I don't even want to deal with the Old Testament or even the epistles. But I mean, I've learned since that the Bible is actually not trail mix, right? It's not like... I can just discard the pretzels and choose the uh, yogurt-covered um, raisins or the chocolate chips. So um, there are some teachings that I initially did not agree on, right? However, God is not seeking my input, right? So uh, a holy God who's sovereign, that's why we, we always have those non-negotiables, so that when we come in to God's word, we know where we stand and we know where God stands. And again, God is never seeking our input because I also put it on the bottom of the screen right there that we are fallen creatures, right? Because we tend to forget. So throughout the next couple of slides, you're always going to see these reminders, hopefully yelling at you, saying that God is sovereign and then man is fallen and then we're all saved by faith alone. All right? So let's move on. Uh, so Paul was formerly named Saul, right? We kind of know that. And then he thundered under Gamaliel, right? So when I was researching this, I didn't really know who Gamaliel was. So I kind of did some, some, some research, some Googling on who Gamaliel is. And um, he's actually considered one of the greatest teachers of Israel, right? He actually has a title of not rabbi, but rabbin. Right, so it's a higher, more elevated title. So think of Gamaliel as the best of the best, right? So if you're a, a, a surgeon, just imagine that you were an apprentice of the best surgeon, right? If you're an engineer, you were an apprentice of the best engineer, right? For Damon, just think about this, Damon, you were an apprentice of the best bass player in the world, right? That's how Gamaliel is. So it's something that you will really be proud of, right? And, and you can tell that from Paul, right? You can tell that from, from, uh, from, from uh, some verses in the Acts where Paul was super proud about being under the foot of Gamaliel, okay? So ironically, uh, we see Gamaliel show up in Acts 5, verse 38. So a little bit of context here. Um, the apostles, Peter, were preaching um, the gospel, and um, the, they were detained, right, for preaching Jesus Christ. So Gamaliel comes into the picture, and I'm going to read it on 38. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, this is Gamaliel talking, okay? I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. Okay? But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Right? So you can see from Gamaliel that um, he knows the sovereignty of God. He understands that if this is man's doing, it's going to fail. Right? Because God is sovereign. He's 
in control of everything. Um, so it's pretty interesting that Gamaliel, one of the rabbin in Israel, was actually very lenient to Paul, to Peter rather, and the apostles. So he pleaded to the Sanhedrin, which is the ruling body, to release them. And he rested on God's sovereignty. Okay? However, Paul is a Pharisee, right? He's super religious. He called himself Pharisee of Pharisees, though it's kind of, he, he's elevating himself, right? He actually took um, matters to, in his own hands. So um, you can see Paul, Saul at the time, right, in Acts 7.58, he was actually heavily involved in the murder of Stephen, right? So in Acts 7.58, I'm going to read it. The mob laid their cloaks at the foot of a young man named Saul, right? So they, the guys who were going to kill Stephen, stone Stephen, they took off their cloaks because they probably wanted to, they don't want their clothes to get dirty or they want to have full force when they throw the rocks. So they kind of laid that at the foot of Saul. And Saul, on Acts 8.1, immediately after, Saul approved of their killing him. Okay? And it, you kind of see it on fast forward to Acts 22. Even Paul comes clean on Acts 22.20. And when he said, And when the blood of the martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him, right? So, so it's kind of crazy how Saul was, right? And then we all know that, I mean, he encountered Christ on the way to Damascus when he was persecuting the Christians. He got born again. Uh, and then he, his view of himself changed, right? And now he described himself as the chief sinner, not, not just a sinner, but the chief sinner, right? And then he is known to be the apostles to the Gentiles, right? He's writing letters to Ephesians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Romans, right? And then, and that's kind of the last bullet as well. So that's who Paul was, right? So that's Paul's resume. So now we know what Ephesians, where Ephesians is, who, who they are, and we know who Paul is and who Saul was. Let's kind of go forward, okay? So, Ephesians 3, 1, 5. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was made which was not made known to the people in other generations as it has been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. Okay, so one thing to note here is that um, Paul is actually a prisoner of Rome, right? So he was in Rome under arrest in prison. But I want you to note how Paul uh, started with Ephesians 3, right? He didn't say he was a prisoner of Rome. He said that he was a prisoner of Christ. So you can, you can tell that Paul's view of the situation is completely different, right? He doesn't consider himself under, under human authority. He considers Jesus Christ as his Lord, 
not just Savior. Right? We talked about this on Sunday School multiple times, right? Jesus Christ is our Lord and, and Savior. Not or, but and. So that's what you can see from Paul, right? He's already um, showing that Jesus is his Lord, okay? And remember, when he was writing this letter, he was actually in prison, house arrest. Um, the letter is for Ephesians, right? For the Ephesian church, who are Gentiles. And what a Gentile is, is Gentiles are basically anyone other than Jews, right? So Blacks, Caucasian, Hispanic, Asian, Islanders, in Indians, right? They're all Gentiles, right? If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. So the, written, the, the letter was written for us, okay? So, um, and, and it's kind of weird because Paul is still, in a way, glad and rejoicing, right? Because if you, if I got a speeding ticket, I would be so miserable, right? I mean, I was backing up my car, yes, uh, the loaner car yesterday, and I cracked the side view mirror. I was low. I was so, I was so upset when that happened. So imagine what more could it be if you're in prison, right? If you're in prison, you'll be more disappointed. But the amazing thing about God is pretty obvious is that he ordained this to happen, right? He allowed for Paul to be a prisoner in Rome for the sole, for the sole purpose of he wants to use Paul as a steward for the gospel. And, and we see that here, right? It says, administration of God's grace that was given to me. Okay? So we have seen over and over again in the Bible that God will allow low valley things, right? Bad situations to happen for his ultimate good. We see that in Joseph. We see that in Paul. We see that in Jesus Christ. Right, so so uh, the thing that I want you guys to learn from this from this particular section is God will endure what He hates to preserve whom He loves. Right, so God will allow this to happen for His ultimate good. Okay, and as you can tell, if you're in prison, uh, I don't think anyone here has been in prison, but if you have, right, you kind of know that your mission field, right. The people who you can share the gospel to is very limited, right? Your gardening area, if we were to use our Sunday school terms, it's going to be very limited because there's probably a handful of guards that do the rotation while he's in prison. But despite of this condition, he managed to write the epistles, the letters that still teaches us 2,000 years later. That's amazing, right? I mean, you're in prison, you're writing a letter to, you think you're writing it just for a small group of believers in Ephesus, but I mean, God is amazing because he will use that same letter to teach the entire world, us, and that's the very definition of being fruitful. So Paul was super, super fruitful, okay? And he continues to administer the gospel, right? Administration, another word for administration and it could be on your version. It could be dispensation, like dispensing, not throwing it out, but dispensing the gospel, managing, or stewardship, right? 
And it's important to note here that Paul says that it's not his, right? The gospel was not his, right? He doesn't own it. He didn't create it. It was given to him. He didn't earn it, but he is responsible for managing it. And that's why he continues to share, okay? So let's move on to the next slide. Uh, Ephesians 3, 6, 7. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So one thing, the, the core the core theme in, in Ephesians 3 is about the mystery, right? You can see that in, in a lot of Paul's writing, actually. If you just search mystery in the Bible app, you'll see it's been mentioned in Colossians, Corinthians, Romans, Timothy. So for now, let's park on this mystery thing for a while and, and let's try to understand what's so mysterious about the Gentiles and the Jews, right? What's so mysterious about this thing? So um, if we look at our dictionaries, I went to merriamwebster.com and I looked at the definition of mystery. And the definition of mystery is something not understood or beyond understanding. Okay, that's accurate. Profound, inexplicable, or secretive quality or character. Okay, that sounds great as well. And then last is, it's a religious truth that one can know only by revelation and cannot fully understand otherwise, right? So it has to be revealed to you. And this is what Paul is doing. He's revealing the mystery because it was revealed to him by Jesus Christ, okay? So, again, going into the theme of mystery, I, I gathered a bunch of pictures on, on the internet of um, Jewish culture, right? So the, the Jewish people are, are, are very distinct, right? They're distinct from everyone else. Uh, their clothing is different. Their language is different. Their food is different. They got matzah balls there. Their religions and um, ceremonies are different. You can kind of see um, one of the rabbis doing a sacrifice, uh, an atonement practice um, in New York. And then uh, on the bottom right, you see um, they're kind of like blowing a horn, right? Uh, I think that that's a Rosh Hashanah um, feast of Rosh Hashanah celebration, their one of their holidays. And if you notice on that bottom right, he's kind of wearing like a small tiny hat, right? It looks like a tiny... When I saw that first, it's like, wow, what is that tiny hat? It's not even covering his head. And that's not a hat, actually. That's called a teflon. It's a leather box. And in that box, it has a couple of scriptures. And one of the most famous one is the Shema, right? And the Shema is what we, we studied that on past preachings So Pastor Ken's peer taught us about the Shema. And it's basically Deuteronomy 6, 4-9. And you guys know this, right? It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. And this is something that they put on their head so that it's considered top of mind. It's considered that they remember this, right? So they actually write it, put it in that tiny box, and put it in their head. But they want to be reminded 
of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. Okay, so they're completely different, right? I don't think there's any other religion that would put scripture on top of their head. Anyways, moving on. So what is the mystery? Okay, so let's kind of read through a couple of verses. I didn't, you can follow with me, but I'll, I'll read it for you. Um, and the first one is Isaiah 45, 4. Okay, and it says, For the sake of, my, of Jacob, my servant, of Israel, my chosen, Israel, mine elect. So God has chosen Israel, according to the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 7.7 7, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. So not only did God separate Israel, he actually chose him and actually set his love, right? He focused his love on Israel. And on Genesis 12.2 we can see, um, again, I'll read it. And I will make you a great nation, talking to Abraham. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay? So that's why it's a mystery um, what Paul was about to say to the Gentiles, right? Because God chose Israel as his people. God set them apart. He set his love on them. Um, and Gentiles they actually worship other gods, right? They don't worship Yahweh. They worship, like Pastor Brett said, cows, right? Or something else. And um, it's a mystery because there's historic animosity between Jews and Gentiles. And we see that a lot on Nehemiah, right? We studied Nehemiah. I think we have a PhD in Nehemiah by now because we studied it three times. But in Nehemiah, as of what they were building the walls, the Gentiles who occupied um, that area kept messing it up, right? I mean, they were poor. They would uh, throw dead animals on it. And you know, the Jewish people, right? They're very ceremonial. So when there's a dead animal or blood, they have to kind of purify that and wait seven days. So there's so many delays in building the wall because of Sanballat and his, and his cohorts when they were building. So there's a lot of tension between Israel, Jews, and Gentiles, right? And uh, ultimately, Israel, the Israelites believe that if you're a descendant of Abraham you automatically go to heaven. Automatically. If you're a Jew, you go to heaven. Regardless. Because that's where the promise is from. And then from the Gentiles, they thought that Yahweh, God, was exclusive only for Israel. Right? They, they didn't know. They, they, they didn't have a connection. Okay? So, mystery revealed number one. Right? Uh, Jew and Gentile are one in Christ. No more distinction. We are one body, fellow partakers, right? Um, faith in Christ is what makes a person a true Israelite. Christ is the reason for our adoption. And if you were to remember that song, the last song from Chris Tomlin, How Great Is Our God, that's an amazing picture, right? Because it shows everyone, right? And it's really not there to elevate man, but it's to elevate God, right? That's why the song is How Great Is Our God, Now How Great Are Men, 
right? Um, so, and in Galatians 3, 7, this is Pastor Ken's favorite uh, book in the Bible, letter in the Bible. Uh, 3, 7 says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham, right? The ones who have faith, not by blood. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations be blessed so then those who are faith who are of faith so even paul was quoting old testament right and he's he's reminding the 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 galatians in this particular uh picture that yep god already revealed that in the past but we probably read it too fast so we so we missed it right so he's emphasizing that yep that was god's plan from the get go okay um, and then the gospel is for all nations, right? Um, all nations doesn't mean the whole world. Well, maybe. It, dep it depends on how you define nations. But it's most likely not for every single person that ever lived on the earth, right? So when we say nations here, we mean humanity. We mean, again, Caucasians, Asian, African, Hispanics, Filipinos. Uh, there's no more distinction, right? Um, and you can kind of see this tension, this, this, this tension between Jews and Gentiles being one. You can actually see it in the book of John, right? In the Gospels of John, because John kept talking about the world, right? If you, if you were to search the word world in the book of John, you're going to get so many verses. And it's applied in different contexts as well, right? So um, one of the most famous, God so loved the world, in John 3, 16. And the reason why John is doing this is John is, is preaching to Jews, right? To Israelites. So, and for them, Judaism is the only way. Is the, is the way. That's the only way. No other way. And they were all caught up in religion, right? And that's what Jesus was trying to break down. Um, and they thought that the gospel is exclusive, that, that Yahweh, heaven, is exclusive to the line of Abraham, and having others like the world included in them is news. That's, that's something that they don't even comprehend, right? They thought that heaven is only for Jews, okay? So it's kind of clear that we know that God is not Jewish, right? Because God is for all humanity. Okay, let's move on. Um, I think I need to fast forward a little bit here. But anyways, mystery revealed number two. And what we can see here is that less than the least. So Saul considered himself elevated and skilled in the law, but when God called him, he considered himself lowly, unworthy, chief sinner, and everything that he's done was considered filthy rags. So after encountering the Holy One, you will begin to realize how wretched you are, right? Even Isaiah saw that. Holy, holy, when he saw the angel saying, holy, 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 he immediately saw his condition that he's a man of unclean lips, right? So that's what happens, right? Elevated, you think highly of yourself, you encounter God, <laughs> you're at the bottom, right? That's how it is. So, uh, and God will use the least of the least, right? God will use ordinary men 
for extraordinary purposes. And you see that with the apostles, right? The apostles were in the same class. They're uneducated. These are men who work with their hands. They're fishermen. They're tax collectors. They're nobodies, right? Just like us, right? Look at around us. Uh, none of us are part of the royal family. Um, none of us here has ever won a Nobel Peace Prize Award. And none of us here are actually so social media influencers, right? But that's who God uses. God uses ordinary men. And then the second thing here is to make plain to everyone. What that really means is the simple truth of the gospel. The same gospel is for children. It's for middle-aged folks. It's for seniors. It's for the educated. It's for the uneducated. It's for the blacks. It's for the white, the Chinese, the Arabs, the Filipinos, the Hispanics. It's for everyone, right? There is no kid's version of the gospel. There's no Asian or Hispanic version of the gospel. There's one version of the gospel. And um, he wants the church, you and I, to dispense, to administer this simple truth. I was thinking about this. Um, sovereign God, I mean, he doesn't really need me, right? He doesn't need you. Because he could have written the gospel in the clouds, right? So if you look outside your window, and God has the power to just write the gospel in the clouds, miraculously. But he didn't do that, right? He actually wants us to be part of it. And that's, and that's a privilege and an honor, right? For us to share the good news, we should be excited about that. We should be privileged because God wants us to be part of it. He doesn't have to because he's sovereign, but he does. He wants us to, okay? So keep sharing the gospel, folks, right? It's like Sunday school all over again. Okay, uh, final mystery, number three. So um, in him... We may approach God with freedom and confidence. Confidence meaning firm trust, right? Um, not self-confidence, but confidence in the works of Jesus Christ alone. There is no other way. Christ's the way. That's the narrow way. The only way. And I know that's not politically correct nowadays because you hear that in social gatherings or in the news, you will hear that all religions point to God. They just have different paths to get there. But in the truth is, only Christianity has a savior. Every other religion relies on their own goodness. Only Christianity has someone qualified Okay, that's a big word. Qualified to pay for our sins. So to pay for your sins, it has to be a sinless sacrifice, right? So Moses, so this is for the Jews, right? Moses can't save you because Moses was a sinner. Muhammad can't save you. He was a sinner also. Buddha can't save you. 
even the guy who wrote this letter, St. Paul, he can't save you either. Neither can St. Peter. Because there's only one who can save you. And that's the sinless one, Jesus Christ. Okay? So, in Jesus Christ, we have confidence to approach God. And one thing I do want to mention here is that suffering, right? Um, Paul is suffering, but he doesn't want us to be discouraged. So, suffering is a mark of a true Christian. So, when you share the gospel or you share Jesus Christ, if you are not looked down upon, mocked, ignored, ridiculed, laughed at for your faith in Christ, then the question you have to ask yourself is why not? Right? Because suffering is a sign. It's a trademark. Right? All, of, all Christians suffer. I mean, I don't think there's anyone in the Bible who didn't suffer. Right? Even your Lord Jesus Christ suffered. So, if you're not suffering because of your faith, you got to ask yourself why not. Maybe perhaps you're not sharing the gospel. Or maybe perhaps you have nothing to share. Because you weren't a Christian to begin with. So, I want you guys to think about that, to simmer on that, okay? So, we're going to close a summary slide. So, so far, the Ephesians believers just heard that God made them alive in chapter 2, and in chapter 3, that they are one in Christ. And then we saw that despite of persecution, rejection, isolation, prison, right, Paul continued to share the gospel, the one gospel. So now, so that's, that's, that's Paul in the Ephesian church, right? So I want, I want us to move our gaze from them to you, right? Because we are Gentiles. This message is for us as well. So the same revelation applies to us, right? You were a rebel. You wanted nothing to do with church. You believed in your good works. You believed in your own intellect. You believe that being part of a religion gets you there, no different than the Jewish people. You presumed on God needing you. Right? So, at the end, we're no different than Paul. We're all self-righteous. Um, but here's the good news. But despite of all of these, right? Going back to Pastor Ken's ver um, message on chapter 2, and what I talk about all the day in Sunday school is, but God. So despite of all those flaws that you have, but God. God comes into the picture. He chose you. He was gracious to give you faith. He actually gave you faith so that you would believe. And he sent you a savior in Jesus Christ. So everything, all the action God love you first, right? God is the one who move. So it's all God. And that's why on the bottom of the slide, I always say that God is sovereign and then man is fallen and then we're only saved by faith alone, right? So it's all God. And then, again, I'm just going to run through this. There's one gospel and there's one Christ, okay? So, Application. So um, we just learned some excellent head knowledge. 
And now that we know that we are one with Christ, I don't know what happened. Uh, am I still sharing? No, nope, I lost my share. Hold on, let me share again. Application. So we just learned that we, again, some excellent head knowledge, uh, but let's work on the application. And um, the cool thing is, we are blessed to see what happened to the Ephesian church, right? Because the Ephesian church was mentioned in Revelation. So let's kind of refresh our memory. Let's fast forward from Ephesians to Revelation. And again, we saw that the Ephesian church was super busy, full of activity. They worked hard. They persevered. And they can spot false prophets, right? You cannot fool the Ephesian church, right? So that means that their doctrine and theology and their discernment are solid. But the problem is they left their first love, right? That's what Jesus said. You, you've forsaken your first love. So um, the question is, what is actually a Christian's first love, right? So... Um, on every first-time events, right, we all had firsts events, like engagement, pregnancy, first baby, um, first job that you ever got, or college acceptance, right? Those are very memorable milestones in our life, in our, in our story, right? And there's something that you want to do immediately after the first, your engagement, I'm going to say first engagement, first baby, or first job. There's something that you want to immediately do after. So for this exercise of application, I want you to dig up in the past and put yourself back at the time when you first became a Christian. Okay? So I want you guys to think back. So what was the first thing you wanted to do after thanking God for saving you, after praying the sinner's prayer, after reading your Bible, what was the first thing you wanted to do as a Christian? Okay? I would guess a lot of you would be telling someone what just happened, right? And then proclaiming Christ to the world. Because that, that was my first reaction. I wanted to tell someone, right? But that's what the Ephesian church had forsaken. They lost their first love, right? So the question is, our application, knowing what happened to Ephesus, are you pointing people to Christ? Are you pointing people to Jesus? Are you living for the world to see nobody but Jesus? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your message. Thank you for, thank you for your revelation um, from beginning to end, from Ephesians to Revelation, seeing what happened to the Ephesian church, and having revealed head knowledge that we are one with the Jews, that there is one gospel and that we are saved by faith alone. Thank you for giving us an insight and a warning of what could happen to us. Um, and Lord, if there's anyone here who's unsure if they were chosen, if 
anyone here is unsure that they are adopted or they're not even sure what the gospel is or how to share the gospel. I pray for them, Lord. Um, and if, if you identify to any of them, you can follow me with a simple prayer and say, Heavenly Father, Lord, I know that I have sinned against you and against your creation. Forgive me of my sins. Jesus Christ, come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. So if you, if you pray that simple prayer, that simple truth, that you're a sinner and God is the one who saved you, you're born again. So Lord, may we continue worshiping you throughout this week. May we continue to learn to love you and love our neighbors. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we're going to close with one more song. And if there was a modern day song for the apostles, it would actually be this one. Okay. Yeah.